0: We're we're learning the story and we're seeing how it applies to our everyday lives. And and like I said a few weeks ago, right now, we're in a part of the story where people tend to get bogged down. And and I want to encourage you. I don't want you to come out of this like those third grade students who, who have the seasons wrong or who have something wrong about God. I want to encourage you to stay with it i want to encourage you to read, read your story Bible. i want going to encourage you to be at your story group and, and read on and study through it so that you will know things like Hezekiah is a king, not a book in the Bible. You need to know that. It's important. I also want you to know that even when things seem like they're falling apart all around you, our God is still good. That's one of those things that, that we can glean from this first half of the story. Uh, you know, when the tribes of Israel split in two, the northern and the southern kingdoms, they, they just, it comes apart. God is still God. God was still good then, and He is still good today. And as we get into the story, we come to chapter 17 in your story Bible, or Second Kings chapter 21. And remember, as we go here today, God is still just and good, no matter what His people do. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we, we take time and, and look at Your Word this morning, I pray that we'll, we'll not just open our Bibles, not just look up an app, but that we'll open our hearts, we'll open our minds to your word, we'll open our lives to, to live the way that your word tells us to live. I pray that, that no matter what we're going through, uh, good or bad, we'll see that you are still just, that you are still good, that you are still there for us. And I pray that as we look at your word... We'll honor you with our response to your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, when we started the story back in January, I shared with you how God made promises to Abraham and Moses and, and that he would, he would show his love to all people and call them back to himself. Then we moved on. We heard the promise that he made to David. God promised to bring the Messiah through David's line even though God's people fail, would fail to obey and eventually the kingdom split into two smaller, weaker nations. But God will still fulfill His promises. The northern kingdom of Israel went into exile in Assyria in 722 B.C. And then what happened to the southern kingdom in Judah is in Second Kings 21. We're going to learn that, that Judah had a problem. They had both good and bad kings. Um, but some of the kings, there was a king named Manasseh. He did more evil in the eyes of God than any other king. That's a lot of evil. But Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 and 16 gives us a good narrative about these other kings. It says this, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. As a matter of fact... Of the last six kings in Judah, only Josiah, who began his reign as an eight year old, was noted as a good king. And he only reigned for 31 years. He restored many things back to the Lord. But as soon as he passed away, as soon as his son Jehoahaz became king, let me put it to you this way. To say that he did not continue what his father started would be like the understatement of the century. Jehoahaz was such a, so bad at being king, he only lasted three months. All right, That lets you know you're not doing it right. Okay, But the problem there is his brother Jehoiakim was no better. He came on the scene, and again, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord too. And even with one good king who reigned well for 31 years, God still knew the heart of his people. And the problem was, God could not continue to bless Judah because it would send a confusing message to both Judah and to the surrounding nations because Judah was not doing what honored God either as a nation, as individuals. So God, being the God of second and third and fourth chances, he warns Judah of exile. But as he warns them of exile, he uses Ezekiel the prophet to tell, them that God's prom- to tell them God's promise to fulfill his purpose. All nations will know God. Here's what Ezekiel says as we get into this. Ezekiel 36, chapter, or verses 22 and 23. He says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. We're going to jump down to verse 33 through 37. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land was laid waste, has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified, inhabited. When the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate, I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know I am the Lord. Do you see that? If you have learned nothing else as we've gone through the story, I hope you've picked up on this one fact. The express purpose of God in his relationship with Israel is to always demonstrate that He is the one true God who wants His people to be in a relationship with Him. And no matter where they wander off to, He wants them to come back. That still holds true for us today. The same God you're reading about right now wants a personal relationship with you. But He will also use interesting things to get your attention when needed. You see, for the tribe of Judah, God raises up the Babylonians to judge the southern kingdom. They were not nice people. And they didn't just come in and take over sinful Judah. They conquered everyone. The Babylonians conquered the Assyrians. Who did the Assyrians conquer? You can answer that. Yeah, they conquered the other half of the nation already. So Babylonians come in, they conquered the Assyrians, they destroyed Jerusalem. They take Judah in 586 B.C. and take them all into prison, into exile. Now you may be thinking that the fall of the northern and southern kingdom, that those are hard stories. And you may be thinking, why would God be so cruel? But don't forget the patience of God during the rulings of all these kings who did evil. You see, it was over a period of over 200 years that these kings were repeatedly doing evil against the Lord. The way I see it, the fall, if you will, the punishment of these kingdoms, it can teach us some valuable lessons about faith when we look at the whole picture. Because in the midst of this judgment, in the midst of every judgment that God gave, he offers a promise of hope. He always told his people, if you will walk before me, if you will honor me, I will restore you. And here today, he offers a promise of hope, even for us. Even when we're going through the consequences of our sin, God is still good. He's still here to bring us to full restoration. The people around us, they may not understand, but we can be grateful that even though we have to endure the consequences of something, the promise of restoration for our relationship for God with God and the promise of eternity in heaven when we look up into the upper story, are worth so much more than whatever earthly consequences we may endure here in the lower story. And I say that because Judah is in exile. Judah is enduring punishment right now. And God calls Jeremiah to be the weeping prophet over Judah. And to talk to Judah about their failure. He calls Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 1, verses 4-10, through I want to read about that for you. It says this, The word of the Lord came to me, saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord." Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah had a role to play, both in the upper and the lower story. Uh, But he also came, came to God with some excuses. But God told him, I have equipped you. Jeremiah said, I don't speak, I'm too young. God said, no, you can't use that. I'm putting my words in your mouth. You, Jeremiah, will uproot. You will tear down. You will destroy and you will overthrow. But you will also build and plant. I want to jump forward to the New Testament for a moment. Paul writes to the Christians at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Something that I think we need to apply to our lives as well that, that falls in this same narrative. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God calls us too, just like he did Jeremiah. And guess what? We all have a role to play. We all have a job to do here on earth as God's story unfolds, his story of love and salvation. Jeremiah made excuses to God. He wasn't qualified, but God promises to help him speak. And God says he will be with Jeremiah. The same for us. God gives us his word. He told Jeremiah, I will put my words in your mouth. And for us, we have his words in our hands. If you're holding any form of the Bible, go ahead and hold it up right now. Where it's on your phone, whether, okay. See, all different ways. We've got God's word in our hands, and He tells us to hide it in our hearts so that we won't sin against Him. We also have the Holy Spirit to help us fulfill our role. Jesus told His disciples that He would be with them to the end of the age. When He sent, He sent them out in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses eighteen through twenty. Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples." Of all, excuse me, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us as well. Our task is to call people back to Christ by making disciples of all nations, by baptizing them and by teaching them all that Christ has commanded. Jeremiah's task was to call people back, to call them out of their failure, if you will, And he did it weeping over Judah's destruction and at the same time offering them hope for the future. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you actually wept for someone because you knew their destruction was imminent? When was the last time you cared that much about someone? You know, Jeremiah weeps for the destruction of Judah even though he knows it's going to be restored. And the reality is, we barely shed a tear when we choose not to share the good news with someone that we know should hear it. Folks, they may not accept it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't share it. If I know what you're doing in your life is dangerous, I'm going to tell you. If I know what you're doing in your life is physically or spiritually dangerous, I'm going to tell you. I I may even let you know in no uncertain terms that you're being selfish or that you're being less than average or that your head is stuck in your armpit or that you need to choose to do things that you don't want to do. And chances are you're not going to want to hear what I have to say. But when I come to you with accountability and you don't want to hear it, I'm okay with that. You might even get mad and I'm okay with that too. Because people don't like accountability. I understand that. You may even leave the fellowship of Huntsville Christian Church because I shared accountability with you, or one of the elders shared and challenged you with accountability, and you may decide to no longer fellowship with us, and you know what? I'm okay with that too. Because the reality is that myself and the elders and the staff and each of us as Christians, we have to answer to God for not doing what He's called us to do. And I would rather you be mad at me for a moment here on earth than for me to have to tell God why I didn't care enough about you as your Christian brother to talk with you about your life and the choices you were making, even when I knew they were wrong and you didn't want to hear it. Man, that sounds tough. Thank you. (laughs) Jeremiah had a hard job, folks. He didn't have to tell one person that they were being less than average. He had to tell an entire kingdom. Y'all are being dumb. That's what his message was. Y'all are going to be punished for it. That's what his message was. And he wept because of it. He had to tell the entire kingdom of Judah that they were being less than average and they would be destroyed for it. And the message he had to tell broke his heart. Just so you know, his weeping is recorded in the book of Lamentations. I want to encourage you to read that one day. It's not fun to tell people they're making mistakes. I don't like it when people tell me I'm making mistakes. But that's what makes us better. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to walk with each other and be accountable to each other in life, in our physical and our spiritual life, Christians. That's what we're supposed to be. No matter what the message, we have to tell it. We can tell someone about their less than average lifestyle. And like Jeremiah, we can also tell them, hey, there's a plan for restoration. We're not just going to leave you here. Stuck in whatever it is, there's a plan for restoration. People don't always want to hear the plan. Just like Jeremiah's weeping, it's it's written in Lamentations. There's also his hope is written in Lamentations as well. Uh, Lamentations three verses twenty one through twenty three. He says, "Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning." Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. You know, if we are faithful to what He has called us to do, He will be faithful to us. The the way I see it, this is probably one of the chapters in the story that hits closer to home for us than the others because Jeremiah was called to share the word of the Lord to a failing nation. And, And before I move into this next statement, I need to make something very clear. I love our country. Uh, to the point I would call myself a patriot. I love America. There's no other place I would rather live than the United States of America. I've traveled to many places. But i got to tell you, my heart breaks. Because we are living in a failing nation. We are living in, in a failing nation financially. We are failing academically as a nation. We are failing morally as a nation. We are on the verge of failing spiritually as a nation. And in my opinion, that failure falls on us, Christians. Even though Israel was led poorly for many years, over 200 years they were led poorly, by less than average leaders, the people, the Israelites as individuals, still had a choice to honor God or not. Folks, we can only blame average leadership of something for so long. Because as individuals, we are the called out ones. We're like Jeremiah. Jeremiah regardless of what other people are doing around us, God has given each and every one of us a message to share with our community, with our families, with our co-workers, with our state, with our nation, with our world. And shame on us, Christian, if we're, not, if we're too busy living a sanctified life silently and comfortably, while we watch the people around us slowly deteriorate their spiritual life to equal one that will spend eternity in hell. I've got to tell you, this is tough to say. But Jeremiah moments come to all of us. But when they come to us, we have to decide if we're willing to weep for the lost and go and share with them or just let them be. What do you think would have happened if Jeremiah would not have gone to Judah? Well, they still would have been punished. But that whole time they were being punished, they wouldn't have known the light at the end of the tunnel. They wouldn't have known the restoration process. That's where some of our friends are. They're struggling with this world and they don't know the restoration process. And if we don't tell them, who will? We have a message. Just like Jeremiah. And like Jeremiah and the other messengers of God, we're going to have to give an account one day of what we did while we were on this earth. And I'm glad you're all here, but but going to church isn't enough. We're called to take that message. Randy Frazee, who helped put together this whole story concept... um, He tells a story about a man named Bob Buford. Bob was a believer, and the story that Randy tells goes kind of like this. Bob came to this point in his life, he called a midpoint in his life. He was asked to view his life as a box. And in viewing his life as a box, he could only have one of two things in his box. He could have money, or he could have Jesus. Randy says he's thankful that Bob chose Jesus, because with that choice, Bob became a trusted consultant to many Christian leaders and pastors. Bob Buford helped Randy Frazee in his decision to leave Chicago and to move to the church that he's at in San Antonio. Now, I don't know what was going on in Randy's life or his ministry at that time, but I can tell you this. Bob was probably not a very popular man at the church in Chicago. Okay? Because nobody, nobody likes for them to take their minister away. <laughs> you know? and so Bob comes in and, and he has conversation and he's consulting and he's helping Randy Frazee to realize it's time for him to go somewhere else. And, and the point is this. Sometimes like Jeremiah, we may not have the best message. But we still need to tell it. Now, the message we have is actually the good news. And so, in my opinion, we have a great message. And the reason I say we may not have the best message is because even though when we share this good news with people, if they choose not to accept it, our good news message becomes a similar message of doom like what Jeremiah spoke. You see, the harsh reality is the message is still good news. God is still good, and He is still just whether you choose to believe the message and live that message or not. God is still good. Jesus came to fulfill the law and to be the final sacrifice for our sins. And those who choose to accept this and act on it have been given the name Christian. And if you've been given the name Christian, you've also been called to go and share the good news that changed your life forever. The only other question to ask today is, will you accept God's call on your life? And then what does that call look like for you? Maybe for you, accepting God's call on your life means that you need to study God's word, that you need to understand it and understand what it means to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, maybe that's what that is for you. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've been baptized, but you haven't answered the rest of the call. Maybe it's time for me to just say, no more excuses, Jeremiah. You have God's Word in your hand. It's time to read it. It's time to study it. It's time to pray over it. It's time to start sharing it and not hold it selfishly for your own work, your own good If you're not sure how to do that, the elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. They would love to set up some opportunities for study, for better understanding of God's Word. And and it's okay if you don't understand it all right now. There's a lot to take in. Maybe you're looking to partner with us at Huntsville Christian Church as we move forward with this message of good news to our community and our nation. Today is a good day to do that. But whatever God is calling you to do, He's calling all of you to honor Him and to share the message of hope and the good news with everyone. The response to that invitation is up to you. Will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's word? Ooh, that's good. So high fives. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You missed it. She doesn't understand how high fives work. It's see, it's high. Never mind. Um, no <laughs> security. Uh, <laughs> They make it hard for me to come right back into this, you know? Hey, it's been great to worship with you all today. I want to say thank you to these guys, um, our Fusion Youth Group. They're, you. yes. Um, Their they're service this morning, they're, like I said earlier, the practice, the time they spent to do this. Um, and this is just in case you haven't been to a Sunday night church open house this is what you're missing uh this is part of it is the youth lead and they challenge us and and to be involved and to grow and to use our spiritual gifts as well and, and our physical gifts uh for the kingdom so i want to encourage you. next time you see sunday night church open house that everybody should come because you're missing out if you don't i have a quick reminder for you all we have a congregational meeting this morning you poised and ready all right mike's ready if you've placed membership here at huntsville christian church I had that written in and didn't even know they were going to come and do that this morning. But if you have placed membership, we invite you to stay and help us make some decisions for the coming year. If you have not yet placed membership, you're still welcome to stay and see the process and see what happens um, and, and why we do this. Or... If you're if you're not yet a member, you're just visiting, you can slip on out to the back and get a jump on bidding for the cake and pie auction. Uh, you can take advantage of that as well. But whether you stay for the meeting or you go to bid on cookies and cakes and stuff, as you go this week, remember this, we have a message to tell. I pray that your heart breaks for those who do not have a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that your heart breaks enough that you'll be convicted to go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded, That's not just my job, brothers and sisters. That's our job. Will you sing this with us?